0: It was an absolutely historic weekend in the world of pro wrestling with literally three pay-per-views in one day. We cover this and more today on The
1: Faction.
0: What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. Listen, there has been so much going on in the space of pro wrestling. And yeah, let me start before I get into all of the things and say that I have full intentions and we will have a little bit later this week, a special show dedicated to to Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. That is absolutely happening. So don't worry, there were already DMs coming in. People were asking, were we gonna do it? If there's one thing you know about me, particularly if you followed my time at Bonner Fide Radio or in media in general, I love doing tributes particularly when people, you know, for birthdays and things like that, but if people ever pass, we always make sure that we tribute them well. So we will be doing that this week. Make sure that you're tuned in because it's going to be special. With that said, there is a ton we're going to get into today. I promise we'll get into it. But of course, we say thank you to you guys for all of the great things that you've been doing in terms of supporting The Faction, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at The Faction Show, those subscribe to the podcast. It absolutely means the world. Also, guys, if you're brand new to what we're doing, hey, welcome aboard. It's great to have you with us. Do me a favor. You can always subscribe to us in the spaces that you're listening to us. Hit that subscribe button. And whenever a new episode drops, you'll be able to check it out. There. All right. So as we mentioned at the top of the show, there were three whole pay-per-views that happened literally in the same day. So we have to talk about all of this and we will. I want to start by saying if you've never believed that the wrestling business is healthy, believe it, my friends, because for three different organizations to do a pay-per-view on the same day is massive so let's just kind of run through it because most people heard of of course the all-in pay-per-view which happened last night we're gonna talk about a lot of the history connected to that as well We'll also be talking about the NWA as the NWA had its 75th anniversary pay-per-view, NWA 75 over two days in St. Louis, and then Impact had an event last night called Emergent. We're gonna get into all of those things. Where should we start? Well, I guess it's probably safe to start I think in the NWA and Impact, I'm saving all in for last for a reason, okay? So the NWA is not new to doing two day events. Their first two day event really happened back in 2021. That was just two years ago, where they had NWA Empowered, their very first all women's pay per view. And then it was followed by NWA 73, a two day situation at the Chase in St. Louis, and it brought such great results that they've remained there for NWA 74 and this weekend for NWA 75. So NWA 75 night one took place Saturday night, and for this 75th anniversary show, it was a pretty significant show. I'll run through some of these results for you, and then we'll dive into night two. So night one, saw a no-limits match for the NWA Women's Championship as Camille Defeated Natalia Markova. Blunt Force Trauma defeated La Rebellion to become the new NWA World Tag Team Champions. Matt Cardona defeated Ricky Morton. Kenzie Page won the Burke Invitational to get a shot at the NWA Women's World Championship on Night 2. Jax Dane defeated Tim Storm in a no-disqualification match. Colby Carino defeated Kerry Morton to become the new NWA World Junior Heavyweight champion. Champion. Yabo and Ruffo defeated Dak Draper and Mims. Joe Alonzo defeated Homicide. Thrillbilly Silas Mason defeated J.R. Kratos and Odinson to become the new NWA national heavyweight champion. And then Max the Impaler defeated Kenzie Page to become the new NWA women's television champion. Jack Cartwheel wins the Jubilee Jamboree match. To get a shot at the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, Zion defeated Jordan Clearwater, and then Daisy Talos defeated the Fixers for a shot at the NWA U.S. Championship. That was all on night one, with the main event match being the NWA Women's Championship. Then we go into night two, and we'll just go straight there. Night two of NWA 75 also took place again in St. Louis at the Chase. The pre-show saw Jordan Clearwater win the Austin Idol Memorial Battle Royal, to gain a shot at the NWA National Championship against the Thrillbilly Silas Mason. That happened later that night. Natalia Markova defeated Taylor Rising. Daisy Kill and Talos became the new NWA U.S. Tag Team Champions by defeating the Country Gentlemen. Then we move into the main show as Tom Latimer defeated Chris Adonis to retain the world television title. Pretty Empowered, that's the team of Ella Envy and Kylie Page, becomes the new NWA Women's World Tag Team Champions by defeating M95. Kobe Carino successfully defended the World Junior Heavyweight Championship against Jack Cartwheel. Max the Impaler retains the women's television championship against Ruthie J. The Brothers of Funstruction defeat the former World Tag Champions, La Rebellion. Carrie Morton defeats Matt Cardona. The thrillbilly, Silas Mason, defeats Jordan Clearwater to retain the national heavyweight championship. Blunt Force Trauma retains the World Tag Team titles by defeating Trevor Murdoch and Mike Knox. Kenzie Page defeats Camille to become the new NWA Women's World Champion. And then EC3 defeats Tyrus to become the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. So, really the big news, to be honest, happened in Night 2. And that big news would be Camille losing the women's world championship after holding that title for 813 days now my immediate questions are hmm what could that mean could that mean camille's time in the nwa could be coming to a close who knows obviously time will tell and then ec3 becomes the new nwa world heavyweight champion defeating tyrus Per the set stipulations, Tyrus must now retire. Tyrus gave a farewell speech. He was handed a version of the World Heavyweight Championship to keep, and then others came out and bid him farewell. So let's first talk about this situation with Camille. Again, Camille losing the NWA World Championship is pretty significant because she had a championship reign that was reminiscent of Nick Aldis, who had a thousand-day reign there in the NWA. By far, she became the face of the women's division in the NWA. Where does Camille go from here? Well, the questions are obvious. She always said she would be a one-time champion. I don't know if she's gonna be interested in regaining the championship, Or if this is her time to really move on to greener pastures. And there are certainly greener pastures in the world of women's wrestling for Camille. Congratulations to Kenzie Page, who has worked extremely hard and is now a women's world champion. She came into the weekend as the world television champion and leaves as the women's world champion. Which, by the way, I think it's interesting to note. That the N.W.A. has a women's world champion, a women's TV champion and women's tag team champions, considering some of the challenges that the N.W.A. has had relative to women's wrestling and the opinions of their boss and head honcho, William Patrick Corgan. I think it's very interesting to remember those three titles and that women were very prominently displayed in the NWA, including the women's world title main eventing night one. You'll want to remember that as we move to later in today's show. Also, I think it's interesting as we look at Tyrus, Tyrus spent about a year as the NWA World Champion. We all remember the controversy last year with him winning the title with William Patrick Corgan saying that if you're not a fan of Tyrus as the NWA World Champion, then you're not a fan of wrestling. Tyrus loses the title, chooses to retire I think sometimes we might forget that Tyrus's career obviously goes back to his days in WWE as Brodus Clay. Certainly the NWA world title reign was significant for him and was definitely a high point in his career. I think it's also interesting to note that he has been doing very, very well as a columnist and analyst on Fox News. I know that's a big deal for him as well, and he's obviously getting up there in age. So... Yeah, he spent time in WWE. Now he's a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Kudos to Tyrus, who is retiring. And obviously, we'll see what the rest of his career will hold. But if indeed that's it, It has certainly been a significant run. Now, that was certainly on the NWA side. Let's spend some time also talking about a second event that took place last night, and that is Impact's Emergence event. It took place live from Toronto, Canada, and it started with its countdown to Emergence, which featured Mike Bailey defeating Alan Angels, and then the team of Joe Hendry and Yuya Yamura defeating the Good Hands. Then we get into the pay-per-view itself. Eric Young defeats Deaner, MK Ultra, that is Masha Slamovich and Killer Kelly. Retain the knockouts tag titles by defeating Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans, the Death Dolls and Jody Threat and Kylan King. Kenny King retains the Impact Digital Media Championship by defeating Johnny Swinger. The Rascals defeat Subculture to become the new Impact Tag Team Champions. In a back-to-school match, Frankie Kazarian defeats Eddie Edwards. The IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata defeats Jake Something. In an eight-man tag, Moose, Brian Myers, Bully Ray, and Leo Rush defeat the team of Jax Alexander and Time Machine. And in the main event, Trinity successfully defends the Knockouts Women's World Title by defeating Diana Perrazzo by submission. So this all gets very interesting yet again for a couple of reasons. First of all, congratulations to the Rascals who are once again Tag Team Champions in Impact. Very significant because Zachary Wentz was really last seen prominently last year in NXT as part of the Team MSK alongside wesley he was unceremoniously removed from nxtn wwe had a tough time really figuring out where he would land in pro wrestling but returned to impact earlier this year and now along with trey miguel they are the world tag team champions defeating subculture who shout out to them mark andrews flash morgan webster a very short title reign for sure But a title reign nonetheless Makes you wonder where subculture will be going And if they will certainly be staying to chase the championships But congratulations I think the story of Zachary Wentz And the return of the Rascals Really does speak to the redemptive power of pro wrestling And that you can indeed recover Even after some pretty challenging moments And challenging allegations So congratulations to the Rascals Sonata versus Jake something was a really powerful match and if I am Sonata as the IWGP world champion, I think I want some respect on my name. His belt was stolen by evil over in New Japan so he actually showed up without the world championship belt physically and then Jake something really took it to him. There were moments where it looked like something would actually win the match. So there's a lot to be said for this. Sonata though is still your champion though the title wasn't on the line but I think he needs a stronger showing if you're going to be the world champion for New Japan. Let's talk about this knockouts championship match. Trinity successfully defending against Deanna Perrazzo. Deanna Perazzo came into this match saying that no one has ever beat her twice. She had never submitted to anyone besides Trinity when losing the title back at Slammiversary. Well here we are now And we're in a space where Trinity has caused Deanna Perrazzo to tap not once, but twice. And so with that said, I think this is an interesting moment for Trinity and for Deanna Perrazzo. For Deanna Perrazzo, I think it's time for her to start asking some very interesting questions. As she has now submitted twice to the Impact Knockouts World Champion, what's next for her? Don't know, but that'll be interesting. And it's interesting because I've asked that question multiple times coming from these pay-per-views today but i'm asking the question because they seem like very realistic questions to answer but then for trinity i think this is speaking very highly to what this championship run is doing for her we're getting to see and i've always said that if this championship run for her is going to be effective then trinity is going to have to do in impact what she could not or did not do in wwe we have to see the athlete we always believed we have to see the star that we always believed and arguably the impact knockouts division has always been among the best women's divisions amongst all of pro wrestling congratulations to trinity are we seeing her now as a submission specialist are we seeing her perhaps as incredibly versatile Meaning that she is one of those women who can beat you in multiple ways, which makes her incredibly dangerous And so she's indeed answered the question and the challenge of Deanna Perrazzo. Then you've got to wonder what's next for their big event coming up in October bound for glory The biggest event in impacts calendar what high-profile match will Trinity be involved in? We'll certainly have to wait and see who the next opponent will be but I do want to note that on both Impact and NWA, there were multiple women's matches, including the women's tag title match on Impact, the women's world title match on Impact. That match, of course, headlined the pay-per-view. The Impact knockout tag match had four women's tag teams involved as well. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the event that everyone's talking about, All In, and then that media scrum, which had an answer that's got the whole world talking. I got a
1: lot left in the time. What's up, guys? This is Mark here in The World's Strongest Man, and you're tuned in to The Faction.
0: Are you ready? Yes! Hey guys, before we hop back into the podcast, I want to let you know that you have the opportunity to wear the merch of hopefully your favorite commentator. That's right, I have merch available representing us here at the faction and representing my journey. Lego. You've likely heard about my journey into pro wrestling, and if you haven't, I can sum it up in a couple of words. Uh It took me five seconds of courage to bet on me. So we've got great merch out there allowing you to tell the world about 5 Seconds of Courage and betting on you. You check out that merch right now at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Again, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Check out this new merch representing yours truly in the world of pro wrestling. Bet on you. 5 Seconds of Courage. ProWrestlingTees.com slash
1: Bonnerfied. I know. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping.
0: Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's
1: interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But that I started to see there is a you that will always be the S H W. This is a total package. Lex Luger and you are turned into the Fatchie.
0: There's been so much conversation about all in the pay-per-view as it took place in London, England at Wembley Stadium. And, you know, when we first started talking about this presentation of All In, there were a lot of questions. Could AEW actually fill up Wembley Stadium? Was this way too ambitious? They'd be lucky if they got 40 or 50,000 in there. They did 81,892 or something along that line, right? An incredible number. I'm going to take some time to talk about the number in a little bit. Not only will we talk about the number, but we're also going to talk about the media scrum. But first, let's get into the results, and then we'll talk about the impact of all things All In. So All In began with the zero hour. There were two matches there, and it started off Surprisingly, with the ROH World Tag Team title match as MJF and Adam Cole defeated Aussie Open to become the new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. In a second title match on the pre-show, Hook would defeat Jack Perry to win the FTW title. Now let's run through these results, and again, my apologies, I usually give this disclaimer before, but I didn't. If you've not watched these pay-per-views, these are spoilers, and if you don't want the results, press pause, I've already given you results for two pay-per-views, so at this point, you're all in. Now then, to the main card. CM Punk defeats Samoa Joe to retain the Real World Championship. Bullet Club Gold and Konosuke Takeshita defeat Hangman Adam Page kenny omega and kota abushi ftr defeats the young bucks to retain the aew world tag team titles eddie kingston orange cassidy the best friends and pento el seto mieto defeat the blackpool combat club along with santana and ortiz in a stadium stampede match soraya defeats hikaru shida Tony Storm and Dr. Britt Baker to become the new AEW Women's World Champion, Darby Allin and Sting defeat Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage in a coffin match, Will Ospreay defeats Chris Jericho, Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed defeat the House of Black to become the new AEW World Trios Champions, and MJF defeats Adam Cole to retain the AEW World Championship. There is a lot to unpack here an awful lot. Let's start of course with MJF and Adam Cole who are now your Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. I think the entire world thought that MJF and Adam Cole would lose the Ring of Honor Tag Team title match. That would create some angst and that would make the world title match crazy. Instead they become champions which I think added a different level of angst to the title match. I think it did now what happens when two tag champions who are going to seemingly be bound by these titles have to fight would they go all in or not MJF defeats Adam Cole in a crazy match that had a lot of storytelling elements to it and I'm just gonna go ahead and say this and some may not want to hear it but I'm going to say it I think in watching this match. We see the impact of the bloodline. Now, before you think I'm crazy, think about this. The bloodline and their matches really worked well to not just further storylines, but to tell and weave stories within the match itself. And that's what MJF versus Adam Cole did. It was expertly done. Lots of unexpected twists and turns, including an extension of the match. You know, interference from Roderick Strong, all kinds of things. And then even at the end where it seemed clear like Adam Cole was going to turn on MJF, he doesn't. They they stay together. It's yeah, a lot of great storytelling, which I think AEW has finally hit a story that will translate to the non AEW audience. What do I mean by that? I said this now for the last six months that AEW, or at least I have finally figured out who AEW's audience is. Their core audience is the intelligent wrestling fan, the wrestling fan that watches multiple promotions so that they don't necessarily have to explain a lot of history. When you see a certain person, you automatically know. But I think one of the things that they're realizing is for all of the smart fans and highly invested fans, you need to be able to find a way to reach the casual fan. And I think the MJF Adam Cole story is one of those stories that does that. So congratulations there. CM Punk and Samoa Joe. Well, really, interestingly enough, the story coming out of All In had nothing to do with Samoa Joe. But everything to do with what was reported as an altercation between CM Punk and Jack Perry. Apparently, Jack Perry, during his match with Hook, had a dig on CM Punk. That whole moment where he said this was real glass was a dig at CM Punk. Well, apparently there was an altercation that took place once Jack Perry went through the curtain. And it didn't bode well for Jack Perry, by all accounts. I also hear that Jack Perry was asked to leave the building while CM Punk was not. All very interesting stuff, for sure. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this as the days and weeks progress. FTR versus the Young Bucks. I have to honestly tell you that I was shocked that that match was so early in the card. I certainly thought that that match would be the match before MJF and Adam Cole. Though there are parts of me that understand why it wasn't, I think the match was so intense and so highly anticipated that it actually might have taken away from MJF and Adam Cole. So its placement is wild. I think it's equally wild that FTR won the match. I honestly thought the Young Bucks were going to win it. So congratulations to FTR. The stadium stampede match was crazy, but it worked. Darby Allin and Sting versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. Another crazy match. I don't think anybody was surprised by that result. Though I think I am surprised that Will Ospreay defeats Chris Jericho. Not because I didn't believe he couldn't, because he absolutely could. But I'm just surprised that this trigger was pulled. Will Ospreay wins in front of 80,000 people in his home country. Now he can say in two months he's defeated Kazuchika Okada. Chris Jericho Kenny Omega can anybody else say they did that in two months and then he's a free agent in six months man if AEW doesn't pull out that money and sign Will Ospreay and he shows up in WWE it's a wrap because that means we could get Ospreay and Ricochet again (sighs) though I'm not gonna let my brain travel that far I'm not gonna do that to myself I'm just not Billy Gunn returns to team with the Acclaimed. They defeat the House of Black. The House of Black have a beautiful tribute at the start of their match to Bray Wyatt. Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed win the titles, and yeah, pretty cool match. MJF, Adam Cole, I already talked about that. Now it's time to talk about two things. I wanna talk about the spectacle, then i want to talk about the scrum. The spectacle itself and the significance of 81,000 people at Wembley Stadium. Now there's been a lot of controversy around the statement that has been made that says that this was the biggest pro wrestling event in history, because lots of us are citing little things like a WrestleMania here and there, you know, like WrestleMania three that had 93,000 people, WrestleMania 32 that had 101,000 people. So how do you justify all of this? Well, I'll tell you my thoughts. I think there are a couple of things. Number one, I think there's a game of semantics being played where WWE has historically self-identified as sports entertainment and has tried to stay away from the moniker of pro wrestling. So AEW can proudly say that this is the largest pro wrestling event from that perspective though it is kind of hard to argue with WWE though the word wrestling is actually in the middle of its name and these massive events all had the word wrestling in them like Wrestlemania so there's that then there is the conversation about paid attendance so let's just kind of talk about that because I don't want to assume that everybody understands what that means So when you hear the numbers 93,000 at WrestleMania three or 101,000 at WrestleMania 32, that is the actual attendance. What that doesn't necessarily account for are how many people actually paid tickets and how many people were quote unquote comp tickets. Now what are comp tickets? Those are tickets that are given often to guests of people who are in the show So, for instance, at a space like WrestleMania, you can easily have, and and I don't know the exact number of comp tickets allowed per performer. I don't know, okay? But if you consider, you'd have comp tickets for family members and some friends. You'd also have comp tickets for sponsors who obviously have already given money to help the event happen. So, as a return, you go ahead and you offer them tickets and seating there. Then you also can count workers, as in people from WWE who are employees who are physically at the event. Then you can also add other comp tickets, other guests that you might have if you invite certain celebrities who may not have paid for their tickets. Right. So I say all of that and I'm taking you behind the velvet rope because having run events myself, I know that there is always the balance between paid attendance and actual attendance and that gap can allot for a few things. It can allot for the comp tickets that I mentioned. It can also allot for counting all of the people that are physically there. So you could theoretically count the people who are working the show, the performers, the athletes, the technicians, all the behind the scenes people. Every person counts for some of these numbers. So therein is where AEW specifically counted 81,000 plus in paid attendance. And that was what the graphic said. So if that is indeed the case, then it is highly possible that there were actually more than 81,000 people at Wembley Stadium last night because they aren't counting the people who work the show, the people who work for AEW, any guests and any comp tickets that may have been given. Guys following me? I'm imagining that you are. All of this to say it is a very significant moment. It was also said that it is the largest event in British pro wrestling history, the largest event in European pro wrestling history. There are gonna be lots of monikers connected to this, but one thing we can say, and I don't think anybody will argue this, it is the largest pro wrestling event outside of WWE and outside of WrestleMania ever. And for this to happen, and also an impact event happened, and also an NWA event happened, all three of which were on pay-per-view. This speaks to just how many wrestling fans there are and the true health of the pro wrestling business right now. It's such a special place, and I have a lot of love in my heart for what AEW was able to accomplish. You know, we think back to the first All In some five years ago, which was the embryo For What we now know as AEW and that was done because there were pundits who said there's no way you can get 10,000 people inside of a building for an independent wrestling event and Cody the Bucks and Kenny Omega proved everybody wrong. Here it is once again people being willing to prove people wrong, Tony Khan proved a lot of people wrong. And no matter your thoughts on AEW, whether you believe it's the greatest promotion ever, or you don't like what they're doing, you have to applaud what this means for pro wrestling. You have to acknowledge that this is incredibly healthy. Here's what's interesting to me. As one who is accustomed to seeing a lot of larger events as of late and we've had that you know wwe has done a number of stadium shows this year alone seeing large events really you can kind of get used to it so part of what i had to say while i was watching this yesterday was this is not the wwe you had to remind yourself that this is aew and i want to be clear they did something that wcw didn't do that ECW didn't do, that Ring of Honor never did, that nothing during the Attitude Era ever produced. A stadium show, 81,000 paid attendees. Absolutely special, no matter how you slice it. And it was a really solid card. But to me, I think the history made during that card that the event actually happened, and it went off without a hitch. The pay-per-view feed was great. They handled the adjustment of going from daylight to dark. Well, like it was just done so expertly. So I can't say congratulations enough to AEW for what they did. But I want to talk about the media scrum very briefly because in the media scrum, a question was asked. And in fact, if you'll indulge me. I just want you to listen to this. Lyric Swinton, women's wrestling talk. Congratulations on an awesome show tonight. Um, one of the things that was noticeable from the All In card that was missing was there was only one women's match. Obviously, the four-way was a callback to their original All In. Yes. Um, but there were some stars um, that were noticeably missing, like Athena, Willow, Nightingale, Chris Statlander. Um, can we expect more women's matches to be on the all-out card and on future pay-per-view cards going forward?
1: Well, we've announced Ruby versus Chris Statlander for the TBS championship. We'll have to see what kind of condition Soraya is in coming out of this match. It's a great question. A lot of the card tonight was both featuring as many of the top stars in AEW as I could get, so a lot of the biggest stars in the company We're not on this show, and that's why we have big matches like Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs, and obviously Ruby Soho versus Chris Statlander next week. I think the pacing of the show tonight was probably the best we've ever had, the best show we've ever done. So to add more, I think, would have been challenging. But also, uh, we have so many great stars across both the men's and women's division, great wrestlers. I think the card, in many ways, was... uh, I tried to pace it perfectly, and I think we did pretty great. One thing I would note and you said it yourself a lot of the card was paying homage to the original all-in the four-way match uh dr brett baker participated on the original all-in and that was uh the key women's match on the original show and madison rain pointed that out in her commentary as well that she was also in that original four-way uh and dr brett baker participated uh i had the golden elite in the trios match kind of a call back to the original all-in and uh Definitely, there were a lot of top stars, men and women, I was hoping to get on tonight's card. And there were a lot of people uh, that wanted to be on the show. And I hope uh, we can continue to get all the top stars in. But also, I want to pace the shows and be able to have great matches without having to rush through. So I was I was really excited about the card and also very happy for Soraya. I thought it was a great moment. Uh, and I would love to try and get some of those top stars in All Out and also next year's All In. I think you mentioned some some great names and those would be great names for the show. So that's a great question. Thank you. Okay, you've had a chance to hear the question which came
0: from Lyric from Women's Wrestling Talk. You guys know I rock with Women's Wrestling Talk, so congratulations to her. And she asked an important question about women's wrestling. And many are very unhappy with the response that Tony Khan gave. And so to that end, I think it's very interesting that here in the same month, we had All In, a few weeks ago we had SummerSlam. Very similar questions were asked at both scrums to the heads of creative for both companies. Both had similar answers that said, hey, we tried to fit as many people on the show. They said that we timed the show very well Interestingly enough, Triple H said a very similar thing where he said, had we added one more match, the show would have been too long. Um, so there's an interesting question that's happening right now, which is while these companies are doing very well and, you know, bringing in lots of money, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, where are the women? Where are the women's features in these big events? Now, I want to be clear. It was said at SummerSlam that, you know, if we do everything now, we won't have anything for later. And so we know that there are, I think, two women's matches on the payback card for WWE this Saturday, which includes a cage match between Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. We were told last night by Tony Khan that, hey, there's going to be a women's title match, TBS title match at All Out next week. I think it's safe to say that payback is not SummerSlam and all out is not all in. And I don't know how many people will tune in to all out, but the world was watching all in. And you're not going to squeeze 80,000 people into that Chicago arena on Sunday, just like you're not going to squeeze nearly 60,000 people into the arena in Pittsburgh on Saturday. <sighs> so before I continue to pontificate because I'll have some more thoughts I'll share on this later I'm going to get your thoughts what are your thoughts right now on the status of women's wrestling and how the big two companies are responding and I say that because at NWA 75 night one the women's world title main evented at Impact's emergence pay-per-view last night the women's world title main evented on both shows there were multiple women's matches women's matches multiple women's titles so what do we do do we raise more sand for aew and wwe and demand more women's matches do we choose to just support spaces like the nwa and impact wrestling that support women's wrestling i want to get your thoughts on the status of women's wrestling let me know right now on the socials at bonafide stay tuned because i promise you this week we're gonna have a very special show dedicated to both terry funk And to Bray Wyatt, so you don't want to miss that. There will be a lot of other great wrestling events going on this week, including, of course, this Saturday, yet another pay per view for WWE. This one will be Payback. Thank you, as always, for supporting what we do here at The Faction. And for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction.